right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Sally here. Really quick before we get going, uh, there's some audio on Max's end, like the first six minutes or so. It sounds slightly garbled. I'm not really exactly sure what was going on on his end, but we fix it a few minutes in. Just bear with us in the beginning. Let's get right into it. All right, now that we're on Team Titleist, we can we can finally have you on the pod. I'm just I'm sure the audience is so relieved. Uh, this just opened up so many doors for us. You would have never spoken to us before unless we were on Team Titleist. Yeah, it was dirty before. You know, it was it was a lot of backdoor phone calls, uh, going in the garage in the middle of the night. Uh, it, it was it was awkward. So I'm glad it's it's you know everything's everything's cool now. We're one big ha- happy family. I'm stoked you guys are a part of Team Titleist with me. This is going to make things a lot more fun for me. I was really blown away on the fitting process. I know you go out there pretty much annually I think or what is your fitting process like and when do you go and what are at this point in your you know in your career and when you've got your game as dialed as it's been what are you changing adjusting what does that look like for you yeah I I go about this time of year uh, every year try to go the weekend before uh, the farmers I'm gonna go Saturday afternoon and then Sunday morning part of it is just to practice uh, with Mark and then part of it is to to tweak stuff try stuff and see if it's worth changing but it's funny man you go you know, every year I go there, I think, oh, I've got everything figured out um, uh, equipment wise. And last year had a really big breakthrough, you know, switched from my blade four iron to the T100S four iron, which was a big deal. And then ended up two weeks later switching to the T100 five iron as well. And that has become a big benefit to me. I feel like I've been really good, especially with that five iron uh, since going. So it's funny, you just think you have it figured out and you realize that, you know, I'm really only good at swinging chipping and putting and uh, there are people who I need to lean on to make these kinds of choices for me so it's nice to go have some time to you know figure things out and ask questions and, and then have you know people like JJ who who is you know my favorite fitter I've ever had kind of tell me hey man like you know don't have to do it but if you want to try this uh, you know it's been working for other guys or we, we've seen an improvement here uh, they use your stats and everything so it's 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 like a, it's like an all-inclusive uh, golf dork resorts trip. Uh, you just get to hit a bunch of balls, ch- uh, chip a bunch, putt, and then get all you know cool new fancy stuff that makes you feel a lot better at golf. I mean, yeah, it was. I mean, I'd never. You get to hit Pro V ones on the range every time you go play golf. I, I would yeah. imagine if getting to do that for me was a treat in terms of like actually getting dialed in on how far stuff goes was uh, was pretty pretty outrageous, but. I think we, we sent you this after after Century. I think the best compliment we can pay you at this point in your career is you finished T three at Century. And I don't think we mentioned your name in like a two hour podcast after that episode, which I both like semi apologize for, but also that's a sign of respect of when you finish T three in a PGA tour a designated PGA tour event these days, it doesn't necessarily get on our radar. It's just kind of kind of blase, if you will. Dude, I, I was I was truly honored by that. Uh, that was awesome. Um, like I said, I am I am here to be told I don't play well enough in majors and I need to win one. That is exactly the level I like. I would like to be at. That's an honor. It's a lot better than uh, how did he get into this event type stuff. So I was I was stoked on that. That was that was like you said. That was a, about as big a compliment as I could have gotten. What has got you excited about 2023? Just open ended question there. What what's got you pumped? Uh, Ryder Cup. I think first and foremost. I also I am very excited about the majors. 
I, I didn't, obviously didn't have like a, some kind of great major season last year, but I did for me have a breakthrough at the PGA where I just played good, uh, played good golf and got 13th. You know, people think I'm joking, but at one point, like I did realize I was on Sunday, I was in the hunt in a weird way, nowhere near the top of the leaderboard, but with like seven holes to go, six holes to go, if I played them five or six under, I think I would have got into that playoff. And I know that sounds stupid, but you know, that's the first time I've ever had any kind of chance, at least in my head, whether that's realistic or not, obviously it's very, very unrealistic, but I had never even had like a prayer. I've been going off late on Sundays or, you know, watching from home. So it was cool to like feel that heat and, and to play four good days in a major. So for some reason, I think ever since that happened, I, I felt a little bit looser and, and more like knowledgeable about how the process goes. And my, my game had, has been about this good for the last, you know, year and a half or so and like developing some new shots and some new techniques as far as to how to deal with pressure and getting in my own head. I'm really excited for the challenge, the, you know, the masters coming up in April. I think all of the tournaments, all the majors suit me pretty well the way I've been driving it. And, uh, so it's exciting to go into like last year i wanted to go into the majors and feel like i didn't leave with a completely sour taste in my mouth as i had the year prior which was just a bunch of missed cuts last year you know making a bunch of cuts and at least getting to feel what like sunday of uh the masters felt like was a big deal for some dumb reason so i'm excited for that and i'm, I'm excited for entertainment wise for the schedule we've got this year it's not going to be a huge a huge change for the fans i guess but it is a I think it'll be a deceptively big one just because, you know, the waste management's coming up. That's going to be our first big event with a full field here. And, uh, you know, like Rory coming to Phoenix and JT and Spieth. And I know that they played already, but having every single one of those guys with Scotty Scheffler defending, I think some of that stuff's going to be a cool development for the fans of the game. So there's a lot to be excited for this year, but it always starts with how you're playing. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm excited just about my game. You said something about techniques you're, you're working on for under pressure. I'm, I literally had that on my list to talk to you about in terms of how you handle that, how you practice that, how do you possibly prepare for that. It blows my mind watching you guys hit shots with all the people around that mean the shots that mean so much. What, what are you doing there, and how have, you, how have you seen that be effective? See, what's, what's odd is like the Sundays and the, the, the I guess the, the – tip your brain, stressful, you know, high pressure shots. Those are not the ones that give me trouble. <laughs> it's the lead up to a Thursday of a big event or a Friday or whatever that may be. So like for how my brain kind of has worked is if I get myself in a contention Saturday, Sunday, I know I'm playing well. So it's fun. Like it's a mm. joy. Like I know it's more of a, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go show off type Thing. I think that's why I've been successful, you know, in the hunt and in these events, you know, I, I've, I've played quite well in the final groups. I've closed out tournaments. And I think that's just the way I, I operate. I need to see, I need validation. And Joe had brought it up uh, at Congaree on the 17th hole on Sunday, right before we were about to take a big break. And he said, Hey, you know, I got, I have some I want to bring up, you know, uh, I think it will help you. I think you should talk to a sports psychologist. I have tried that before way in the past, didn't like it. So he's like, just try it. He goes, I really think it'll help you. He goes, I'm, and, and he, he did it perfectly. And, I, and the reason I bring up what hole was on uh, is because I think it, was a mo it will be a momentous part of my journey in this game and a momentous moment in a way, because I've never 
really worked on my mental game, the way he was talking about it. He said, I'm not telling you this because I think you're broken. I'm telling you this because I think it could boost us up real high uh, in this game of golf. And I don't know why, but when he presented it to me like that, it didn't feel like sometimes I think in a weird way, as much as I'm very pro people seeing therapists and speaking to psychologists, when someone suggests that you're like, wait, I've been better. Like you like get defensive. And the way he put it, it was like, I'm just like kind of not tapping into a, uh, a big facet of the game. I think, you know, skill wise, talent wise, a lot of guys on tour might, you know, I would myself included, like we've been working at this for so long. There's only so much incrementally I can get better at in this game truly. And there's a ton you can do in other areas. Uh, some people struggle on Sundays. Some people struggle like me on Thursdays. Some people struggle on Saturdays. So everyone's got their thing. So I started talking to somebody. We talk about life and all this stuff, but I have like an understanding of where I get off and how I practice it. I practice it at home. You know, when I'm, when I have a shot, I'm, I'm a lot more like internal when I'm, and, and, and I guess aware when I'm playing like a fun round at home. If I start to have a feeling, I don't like just say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a Tuesday. I'm like, all right, let's pretend this is a golf tournament. You're feeling this already. And you might feel this, you know, you're going to feel this again at Torrey Pines. So tap into it. And then it's like, okay, well, why do you feel this way? Do you think? And then like break it down and like, okay, so how are you going to go about, you know, overcoming that feeling and like practicing that way? And it was fun to play the century because it was the first event. Well, I guess the hero was the first event, but the hero was uh, early on when I was talking to the sports psychologist and uh, it was also coming off like, you know, four weeks post baby and I hadn't really been practicing a lot. So I was trying to be, it was almost a learning experience for both of us. Cause I could, I felt very small and all the bad things came up because I didn't play well, but it was a lot of it was, you know, just not playing well. So it was fun to go to the century and be like, oh, I'm going to put these things to work. I'm going to practice these things. And I saw it in a crazy amount, you know, Thursday, Friday for me, I, on the leaderboard didn't play very well. I was in 26, 27 place, but I would usually turn that into 35th by it's not an attitude like moping around. It would have been just me trying to hit a hero shot or uh, me feeling insecure. And instead I was like, you're playing great balls, not going in the hole, uh, maximize these two days. And then all of a sudden Saturday I go out there and black out. And all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't in the golf tournament, but I was in the, I was in the hunt for a great finish. Uh, so that was fun just seeing stuff like that. So it was fun to practice that in a tournament, but that's how I practice it at, at home is when I have a feeling, I, I try not to just like shrug it off like I normally would because, you know, any day at home on a Tuesday, you hit a bad shot and you, it's so easy to just be like, well, this doesn't matter, you know, because it, it doesn't to the grand scheme of things, but it's hard to practice mental stuff. So you got to take, take those chances or take those opportunities when they come. And like, you know, I was, I was talking to her uh, uh, earlier this week and I was saying, hey, this feels weird right now. And I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, what if this happens at Tory, this, that, or whatever. And she goes, this is good. Go out. Cause I was playing the afternoon. She's like, when you go play this afternoon, practice that, like practice how you would want to be when you play Wednesday at Tory Pines. And I was like, oh, cool. And I went out and I saw an, an improvement and I guess, you know, that that's, that's how I've been trying to do it. Uh, again, it's early on, but I've enjoyed this kind of uh, learning experience. I told her early, I was like, the reason I struggle with speaking with pe speaking to people about this is I've never seen how a mental boost is tangible because it feels so intangible. And she said, my goal for you by the end of this is that you're going to realize that it is tangible, obviously in a figurative sense. And I'm, I felt that a lot at Century. So it's just cool. Uh, you know, wherever this goes is, is, is kind of wherever it goes, but 
uh, noticing little things uh, in tournaments is really fun. And that was the first one I got to really see an improvement and see a result because of it. What's interesting about the mental side is for a long time, I always thought it meant like, oh, just be positive. Just be super positive. Like have a great attitude. That's all it means. Whereas it is a lot more complicated than that. And it takes repetition and it takes like maintenance. It's not something that you just like learn once and you have it, you know, forever. It, you know, you're going to go through ups and downs of all that. But I have kind of a, a weird question. Sometimes, like, if I'm playing decent golf and I go to the course the next day, I still have a question of whether or not it's still there, right? If you take, like, three days off of playing golf, is there ever a doubt that that it's still there for you? I don't know how to ask that question other than, like, if you're, you know, you you just had a baby, you're taking some time away from golf, and when you go pick those clubs back up, what is that process like of figuring out whether or not you still have it? Is that a, is that a thing at all at your level? It is every single day of my life. So Okay, that makes me feel like a tad better. <laughs> when I land tomorrow in San Diego and I drive uh, over to TPI and I hit my first flush wedge, I will have some form of a sigh of relief. Okay. <laughs> every day, it's every day during a week of a tournament. Um, but I think that's kind of maturing in the game as a professional is realizing that, hey, you know, I had a weird putting day on Monday. That does not mean I will have a weird putting day on Tuesday. Um, mm. and, and if it happens again on Tuesday, it does not mean that is now my new normal. It's not broken. There's a way to fix it. And it'll probably, you're probably closer to it than you think. A lot of that is just experience. You know, anytime I'd have something off, especially early in my career when I was playing poorly, it would be like a whole rebuild. Instead of realizing, man, you might be one little tweak away or one feeling away from it being back to as good as it could possibly be. So I, I, I to, like you said, though, it takes maintenance. Like I need to remind myself that it's not like this thing is it's natural. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us feel that way. And I think a lot of us go through that. Like when I hear stories about how Rory won't touch a club for four weeks, I like start sweating. <laughs> but that's like a form of confidence, you know, to me. And, and that's a good thing. But part of part of it, I don't mind for myself because that constant fear gets me up in the morning every day to go practice. And that's part of why I'm good. But it's like, it's blending the two. It's like having the confidence to know you could feel funny and go out and still play great is, is big, but it's also, there's some, some form of the success and, and confidence of being able to take a day or two off uh, or have light days and not think that that is why you won't be successful in, in a, you know, in a week or a month or a year. When we played uh, with Spieth and JT at, at Kapalua, Jordan said something that was really interesting about how it was something along the lines of, I'll never swing the club like I did in 2015 again because my body has changed. Like, it's impossible for me to swing the club in the same way. Like, when I turn, when I have a full rotation, that's a different feel in 2023 than it is in 2015. And that kind of blew my mind. I just never really thought of it that way. It's basically like... He had this incredible run of golf. He fell off a little bit and is now trying to find his way back. And I'm asking this through the lens of you've gone through similar ups and downs. When you were in your down periods, were you trying to find your old swing? And did you end up back at your old swing? Or did were you trying to find new ways to elevate your game? You, you know what I mean? Like, and, and your relationship with a swing changing and a feel changing and not being able to get it back slash do you want it back? Do you want a new feel? I'm curious your relationship uh, through all of that with your golf swing. Yeah, that's a great question because a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. We were searching for, I think we were searching for the feeling I, I've heard Jordan talk about this on your po- your guys' podcast uh, maybe a year or two ago. You're searching for this feeling 
by t- doing new moves, I guess. And then that's kind of where it, it, you, you, you're never, not never, you probably won't find that. So Jordan's was different. He was playing poorly, but I don't think that he, he didn't lost it, but it, you know, his golf swing was changing a lot. And when your body changes, obviously that is a big thing. I mean, we do it right now. Mark and I, I, I have these swings from Houston, like two years ago, maybe two, three, yeah, two years ago that are my favorite golf swings I ever made. And, you know, it worked. It was, it was like that for a couple of weeks. I was hitting the ball really far and I was driving the hell out of it. And sometimes I'll be looking at it and we'll be dissecting it. Like what is different, this, that, and like whatever. And then finally we'll always land on, man, like, maybe we need to remeasure how my shoulder's moving or my elbow's moving or, or whatever, because it's like, maybe that's just like not in the cards right now. And that doesn't mean it's bad. Like I have better range of motion now than I did then. And he goes, maybe you just had like the perfect level of stiffness immobility then. And you're like, yeah, you know, that's a good point. That's where I lean on Mark a lot. He's been good about that. You know, everything starts with like how you're moving and you move back, you know, towards fixing your golf swing or whatever, improving your golf swing after that. Uh, but sometimes we all get caught up in it. Like, I just want to swing it like this again. It, it, I guess Tiger would be the perfect person to learn that from is like, as he changed his golf swing, it was almost always around his body and what wasn't working so great. And he's made a career out of each one of those golf swings. So you can make it work, but you need to be in tune with what isn't working. And it's actually helped me on days where I've been stiffer because it's cold or something. I I'm aware of, okay, you know, I struggle with side bend and like staying in my posture. So I know I have to like overdo that because I'm not going to move as well. My hips aren't going to be as like lubed up. So it's good to be aware of that. Cause now I know, Hey, if I start like flipping at it or it feels funky, I'm just, I'm, I'm limited somewhere, you know, because of the weather or just because of myself. So like little things like that do change. And it, it's funny. Jordan talks about that because his golf swing does look very different right now than it did in 2015. Positions are important. They're not the end of the world. And he's bringing the club down in a very good position. So it doesn't like matter as long as you get it in that slot. But chasing something that you can't attain wastes a lot of time. Yeah, and that's where it just kind of seemed like he was not chasing that anymore, right? That was the point of of like, hey, let's not, we're not chasing that. Here's Here's how my body is now. Here's what it is now. And I feel like, Something that is like, you know, a, you know, the 600, 700 class level is when you're probably playing your best golf when you're thinking the least about your golf swing and, and about technique, yet it's got to be so important to when you are playing well to understand at least physically what is going great, right? It's like what, what makes your swing quality when it is going well? Is that, do you go back and watch tape from tournaments you've played really well to, to see it, to see how it looks compared to how it felt? Is that, am I onto something there? Yeah, uh, part right. Like that, that, that point is great. The problem is, is when you do go back and, and watch, you, you don't know the feeling. Like you don't know how you were getting it there in the feels. And where I messed up in the beginning with Mark was I didn't write down like what those feels were enough. I had a few, not all. So when I'm chasing this look, I'm like fixing it by the aesthetic of it, but it's not like fully all there. And I, I'm like always missing a piece. And I'm like, well, I just don't have like the feeling. Like, I don't remember how I was doing that. So now like when I'm swinging it great, I, I write it down. We have like vernacular for it, like verbiage for it. Like I say, okay, it's, and it's stuff people would never understand because it's just like, it's like gibberish that me and Mark understand together. But like now it's like, Hey, if this is off, it's like, Oh, you're not going tip down enough. And it's like, okay. Okay. 
And it's like, oh, you're not tea in pocket enough. It's like, okay. And it's like, all these things make sense to us. But like, I have like feels throughout the swing now that as Jordan talked about, like he had in, in your guys' podcast, he said he had his 14 feel, which was like arm across the chest. And he had his 15 feel, which was like this. And it's like, not, no, I have no idea what that means. And if someone just tried to do that, it wouldn't work for them because they don't know what that is to him. But as long as you know what that is, those things never leave you. Like the, the, the memory of that never leaves you if, you if you write it down. And you can you might not be able to get it back into that exact feeling, but like you'll get what that means. And that, so that's something that like we're trying to do more of instead of just going straight to, hey, you know, P1 to P2 is, is a little too inside. And it's like, okay, like I can see that too. Like that's that, to your point, like that, that's, that's uh, the 500 class, 400 class. But like to get to the seven, 800 class, it's like, okay, because of that, you need to feel this because then that makes the, my elbow go here. And it's all, it's like, you know, it's all, it's all cause and effect. And um, I think just chasing a, a, a look you miss a lot of the cause and then it, the effect gets all whacked out. So you're like, well, it's getting here. It's like, yeah, but like it probably got there in the end because your elbow had to do X to make that happen. And I don't know, golf, I mean, golf, the golf swing's ever complicated. And at the end of the day, you just have to get it uh, in a good spot with about a foot to go before you hit the ball. You know, we hit so many golf balls, things change here and there, your body changes here and there. And, and it's like a constant chase. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on be, before you have to go see your sports uh, psychologist just just for talking to me about the, <laughs> no I do I, I'm good just on this for one. talking to me about the golf swing but you might need to go to one <laughs> a break here to check in with our friends at Roback they're back for another year I could not be more excited about it I'm wearing two pieces of Roback gear as I record this ad read I've got the polo on I've got the quarter zip on you know it's perfect for I'm gonna be playing some golf today. It's going to be a little warm when I tee off, but it might be a little cool by the end of the round. I'm going to have it in my bag. It is so versatile. First of all, with the performance polos, they fit way better than typical boxy polos. The collar never loses its shape. The four-way stretch material is soft and it's comfortable. I play so much golf in these polos. They're great for going out to dinner, great on the golf course, great off the golf course. The performance Q-zips, same exact thing. They are versatile. They're great for a crisp morning or a cool evening. I love wearing them around the house. I love lounging in them. And lastly, the performance hoodies, the best hoodies I've ever worn. We've got, we can't, I would say we have them in our shop. I don't know if we do anymore because we can't keep them on the shelves. I've got them pretty much in every colorway now to this point. And you see uh, the Roback hoodies in almost all of the content that we do. And if you use code NLU at Roback.com, you get a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's code NLU at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. You get 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, tees, joggers, shorts, you name it. Code NLU, Roback.com. Please go check them out. We thank them for their support of our content. Now back to Max Homa. So you had a huge change in your life recently, and I want to put a pin in the golf side of this. Uh, we'll come back to that. But what has it been like personally welcoming uh, your first child into this world? It's been wild. Talk about your body changing. My left arm is so strong. My back is sore. <laughs> Carrying those things around is a battle. Uh, but it's been fun, man. Uh, First trip they came on to Hawaii was cool. It was so different. It was so, 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 so different. You have golf duty and then dad duty and then husband duty. And my wife's a rock star for handling so much on her own while I'm, you know, working. But it's hard to say you're going to work when you're at Kapalua. Uh, it really is uh, in Maui. So, uh, but she was a rock star. She helped so much, but it is different, but it's been fun. Um, I've still been able to practice a ton and get my work in. But it's exciting being home, uh, all the cliches, you know, it, it distracts you from thinking about your golf swing 24-7. It distracts you from 
even like what we were talking about, like getting ahead of yourself and saying, man, am I going to play well in San Diego? It's like, I still think those things, but they come few and far between when you're dealing with poop, pee and puke all over you. Um, you're more concerned about getting uh, the laundry done. Uh, so it's been really fun. And, um, you know, just you have little moments, uh, you know, he's finally, you know, he started to smile and laugh a little bit. And you have these little moments where like, damn, this is really freaking cool. And that's, you know, other than the perspective, how does it affect your golf career, right? I mean, it's, it, I'm not saying it makes you play better or makes you play worse, but nothing will ever be the same again. You just touched on it there of, you know, I guess if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, PGA Tour pros, they probably just have somebody doing everything for them. And it probably doesn't change their golf game at all. But like sleep and when you're at Kapalua, are you guys in separate rooms so you could sleep so you could go to your job the next day? How does that all work? And what have you had to change and adjust on that front? Yeah, man, we're learning. But yeah, we had separate rooms so I could sleep. Uh, it's the best sleep I've gotten in forever. Uh, so we decided San Diego rent a house so we can have space because uh, it was nice when I'm home because it's hard to take him anywhere, right? So it's nice when we're home or back to the hotel where we're like on a couch, not sitting on a bed, not crammed, this, that, whatever. But it's a learning. I mean, it might change after next week. Uh, you know, you never know. But um, the, you know, learning how to be tired. Like Taylor Gooch told me, he's like, you're going to just learn how to function really tired. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad or good. It just, it, it just is. Um, there's the perspective benefits and the little things like learn to be a little bit more patient. Uh, you're not the most important thing in the world. Uh, you know, it, everything does change in that. But a, a big part of like the motivation is, you know, I remember Tiger saying about the 19 masters is like he, his kids only knew golf as the thing that hurt their dad and he wanted to show him how damn good he is. And, you know, we all, we all know, but you know, his kids and he was a YouTuber to them. And, uh, I don't know. I, I feel that too. Like I, I want to play well long enough for him to run out onto a, onto a green and to, you know, know how, how good I am at this game. Cause there's going to be a point where I'm not going to be moving so well. And, uh, you know, maybe if he gets into golf, he's going to outdrive me. And I need him to know that I was a lot better than he was. Uh, at that time, I did have a weird run in with a guy somewhat recently. We were doing a uh, outing and I, you know, I did the thing on the par three where I would just sit there. I met, meet every group coming through and hit a shot. And I just had Cam and he goes, oh, I hear you're a new dad. And his son was playing with him. His son was, you know, 22, 23 years old. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, be careful. You know, he's out driving me now. It's going to happen. You know, it happens faster than you think. And I was like, well, it's going to happen like a little a little later than it happened for you. Like, it's not going to happen quite as fast. He goes, he goes, man, I said the same thing. And I'm like, I'm a, like professional. <laughs> like it's, like, I was like, I don't know what this argument you're making is, but it's going to take a lot longer for him. I promise you. I was, I don't know why it made me so mad. I'm like, we're not the same person. <laughs> that is such, such a golf guy, dad comment. It combination was, of yeah. all of that. Yeah. Oh, I said the same thing. All of it. <laughs> I uh, was like, okay, man, whatever. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's what you're excited to prove that guy wrong in, uh, in, in, in 2020. Exactly. So you are on the pack, uh, on the PGA tour for remind me, is that a new development? I, I, I've not kept as much, tra I, the pack kind of comes and goes for me. And I, I need you to kind of explain how all that works. Azinger called it a colossal waste of time last week, which is <laughs> very, very funny to me. Uh, but what's your motivation here? What uh, tell us about, about the pack. <laughs> that was really funny by the way. <laughs> So last year, uh, I don't know if anybody, people probably don't follow us closely, I guess, but last year, this new tour uh, <laughs> formed. So a lot of the guys left and some of those guys were on the pack. So GMAC and Brooks, uh, when they left, they had two open spots and they asked me uh, if I would fill one of them. So 
I, I decided I, I wanted to. I, I haven't ever really been involved in that kind of stuff before. But I realized, like, this is my outlook on politics. Like, a lot of people complain about the things that are going on in the world, or in the country at least. And they don't know a lot or they don't do a lot. And that's, you know, whatever, that's fine. But I've never, I don't talk much about politics. I don't read much about politics. I don't know much about politics. So I decided if I was going to complain about the PGA Tour or fight for the PGA Tour, I'd like to know what the hell is going on and have a voice in that. So what they do, uh, the PAC, I think the misunderstandings of the PAC is there's like 16 of us, I think, on the PAC. And they're made up of a bunch of different um levels right so you have like top players like the top 10 i think they do or top 15 and then it's like 15 to 30 30 to 45 and like something like that something staggered there's corn fairy guys and then there's four three or four board members i think and those people in those meetings don't speak much their job is to listen to what we are all saying take what we say and then they vote on things so it's the five there's five players that i know this part five that are Player, player directors, players that are on the board as well. That's what that's what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Player directors. Yeah. So, and then there's one chairman, and so we've had Char- we had Charlie this past year Hoffman, and that's how it works. So that's where I was. I I misunderstood how that works. When they would say players vote on things, I'm like, why do I only ever hear like these four or five guys talking about it? But it's because they're the ones making decisions based off of they're representing us, and that's why they want so many voices from so many levels of you know talk about perspective like the perspective of the 150th guy to the first guy can be drastically different to the corn fairy guys you know much different so they they all take that information and move along with it so after last year i just thought i was filling in and then they we do a vote every year and i uh got voted back on so i'm gonna do that again this year but it's interesting in those meetings you know we have those meetings then we had like the delaware meeting and um (laughs) they're very similar and drastically different you see there's a lot of people who keep their mouth shut and you can tell they just internalize things and think about them then there's guys who talk a lot you can tell people who are have been thinking about this like for weeks and just want to get it off their chest there it's contentious it's it's uh it's all kinds of things but at the end of the day it's cool because you you are watching like the future kind of come to uh like like this the steps of what the future is going to hold um, I understand Zinger's point about it. it feels like a colossal waste of time. Honestly, sometimes it does. Sometimes you feel voiceless, even though you're speaking. However, some of these things, you know, they're not a waste of time from what I've seen. It was probably felt a little bit weirder back then for Zinger just because, you know, the, the future of the PJ Tour wasn't as in jeopardy as it feels like it, it has been the last, I don't know, eight months. There wasn't competition to that. They were probably talking about things like healthcare and retirements and stuff that, it, you know, there's a lot of business things that, you know, that's why I enjoy talking to Cantley about it because he looks into all these things and, and he seems to understand. Mad McNeely does the same. So, like, they're the people who are both smart and well-versed in it. Um, there's a lot of smart guys in those meetings uh, that may not be as, as well-versed in it. So you can bring up a great point, but if, you know, I was looking listening to Rom on your guys' pod uh, today and, like, him saying, you know, I don't know everything about these things. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the hard part for us because – they're so intricate. Like I bring up a point and someone's like, yeah, but we can't do that because of X, Y, Z. It's like, cool. Like that's something good to know. And it doesn't make us any less, we're less knowledgeable than we probably want to be, but we're, we have ideas and thoughts and, you know, not saying everyone in there is as smart as Mav and Cantley and some of these guys wrong, but like you have your opinions and your thoughts or whatever. Some of them aren't as feasible as, as others, but it's nice to, 
I like I said, if I'm going to like think about this all the time and, and complain about things or whatever, vent, like I'd like it. I'd like to know if some things I'm saying are just a waste of my time because they're not possible. Or if man, maybe people aren't really looking into it as much as maybe I'd like them to. Yeah. I've gone uh, really back and forth on this as I've learned more about this process, how it's worked, how it's worked in the past versus maybe now how it's going to work going forward. I know there was only four player directors that were board members uh, that again, that, that have voting representation on the board. Now it's five. So it's, you know, there's five business type folks on the board and five PGA tour players now. Right. And so just a, a lot of this conversation around leverage and live and all of that has kind of confused me because Golf, the PGA Tour is not owned, but there's not a group of owners that the players need leverage over or that there's not collective bargaining. There's not a union like the players run the tour. And the realization of that has been, it, let me ask that. And I, I have another point I want to make about this, but has the realization of the power of the players been slow and now starting to be realized? Is that a fair, fair point? Yeah, but then there, there's so many things we can't do. Um, so, yeah, it has been. But at the end of the day, like, like, for example, I am somebody who was never going to leave this tour. I'm sure there's guys who are on the fence or are on the fence. And, you know, part of their venting was because they truly were like, you know, if you don't fix this, I'm out. And some of those things were, are not fixable yet, I guess. But so if I'm, I'm out, if I'm out there, okay, I have the power. I'm the player. Hey, you are going to make the purse bigger here you know, I am your boss, you're going to do it. And they're like, well, we can't, we signed a deal with this and these dots don't connect. We can't do that. I'm not, I, then I, what do I do? Okay. Like I got nothing there. So I think we realize our power and we probably have overstepped some things in that, at least in our own minds or maybe in our own thoughts of how things are going to work and how easy that would be. The difficulty with not having an owner is like change isn't streamlined. You have to go through a bazillion different avenues to make something make even the smallest thing change and that is so maddening but it makes sense when someone explained it to me like that but like we have at, at Whisperock, there's one guy owns it so if there's a change it just changes yeah. like it's his choice and there's beauty to that and then there's you know in something like the pj tour that would be scary but so in our case there's just so much going on that it's hard to just make everything so simple and we always want to make it like oh this is just so obvious just do this and then like i said that's why i like being in the meetings because then someone's like hey so it's not as simple as that i wish the tour did a little a better job and maybe what i'll push for this year a bit being on the pack again and for a longer time is like i when i when i say hey i'd like this and they say um okay we'll look into that and then it never comes back up i'd like to be told hey we couldn't do that because because i'd like to know so that then then we can have a better understanding of like how to form an idea of like what we could do going forward. But we have power in the tour, the tour treats it like that. There's times where I think people feel like we're kind of not listened to and we're kind of man yells at cloud, but in general, I think it's good. I really do think that they care and listen. I think that they're trying to do their best to balance the top player, the middle player, the bottom player, the corn fairy player, the Latino America player, the Canadian player, the sponsor of this event and the next week's event and then the next week's event, the TV sponsors, both CBS and NBC. Like there's so many things that they have to please. Charities. That I think <laughs> charities, like there's just so much going on that we don't under like fully grasp that 
and, part, and I'm going to say this, a lot of that is their fault. Like they, like they have, they ha- have so much cross like contamination in these deals. That's the only part that makes us nervous. I think, or me is that like, when you say something's going to happen and then you find out that it's really complicated then you realize how complicated it is, it feels like it's because I'm not saying they, they've like done anything intentionally wrong, but when you're trying to please that many people and you're grabbing, you know, all these deals in different ways through so many different businesses and organizations or whatever, it starts to get like, how do you ever change anything? Like it's going to take years, which is fine. But in, in this last year, the crisis of the PJ tour, as far as like the first time we had like serious competition emerge, then you start to be like, Oh my gosh, this was all wrong. It's like, that's impossible to have like predicted in the moment. And you get kind of stuck in this, like, Hey, we are going to change this, but it's going to take a while. Like, 24 like the schedule in 24 is going to be different than this year in 23 and it's going to be pretty different from what i hear so um but you know a lot of guys wanted that to happen this year but they just can't like these things just they they happen to they can't happen that fast and that's that's the part i think as players not businessmen just golfers that we uh probably feel all this power and we say you're gonna do this and it's like i we can't and then it's like, all right, well, now I'm stuck. So <laughs> part of it is is probably, like I said, man screams at cloud and we get a little bit too uh, up in arms about it. Well, and I, every time I chance I get to make this point of like remembering what the, the rival league here, what they, the rules they play under and how different they are when, you, when your business needs to make financial sense. Like, yeah, I want to play for this amount of money. It's like, okay, well, the revenue is this. Like, I can't, we can't, <laughs> like, I can't do anything about that. We don't have a Saudi prince paying the, you know, the, the purses of these things. That's where it gets complicated. But I think. Yeah, it's not like a typical startup. Like, they've kind of been using the startup word. Yeah. And I mean, it's different than that. It's not, you can literally build what you want it to be. And I think some, what people have said about, like, what we're doing or how I've kind of framed this change is if you had to build a tour right now would it look like it did this past season like if it was fresh from zero and i would i would say no god no even but it's yeah. like even this year and even next year it's not the same yeah it wouldn't be the same but it's like it has been going on this long it's been successful and there are parameters we have to like live under so we can't just make it exactly how we'd like it at this point like there's, there's so much has gone on that makes a difference so part of the startup that's difficult is like the finances of it and funding of it and you know a lot of guys like you know clothing companies or or club companies have this great idea hey i'm gonna do this this is the best idea ever and they start running the business like well those numbers don't work and then you're like oh well, that's why we do it they do it like this over here in this case all the money you can actually kind of do what you want to do the, the amount of hard cameras they have down on the grounds in these events is incredible and of course i wish we could do that but you just can't on tour that's a part of why I think the tour is getting creative and like the entertainment aspect and trying to change things over the next year or two. I feel like somebody has been screaming from the top of their lungs for many years that uh, the entertainment aspect needed to change on this front. I, I, I wasn't I allowed it, to listen to this cause you guys were with Callaway. I, <laughs> so I'm late catching up on all well, this. We're, so we're recording this on Friday, January 20th. It's going to come out next week. So we're going to have a Sunday pod. That's going to come out in between that. And I'm, I plan to say this on the Sunday pod, which you may have already heard before if you're listening to this, but it's kind of dawned on me, though, like talking to Rom, too, or a point I wish I would have made out loud a long time ago in that the leverage part of the conversation, it's not like the players were coming to the PGA Tour management and saying, hey, do this, and they were like, no, 
All right. Well, do this. No, do this. No. Yeah. It, it wasn't that the players needed leverage over management at the tour. It's that top players needed more leverage over average to mediocre players on the PGA tour. Like just by a numbers game, they are, they were badly outnumbered. And I, I don't want to put you in a tough spot on this, but you have risen into this top tier, but you've been a, you've been a representative of other tiers as well. When you've been uh, throughout the, the ranks of professional golf and Look, if without the threat of live, if the top so, so many players in the game went to the rest of the tour and they're like, hey, by the way, we're going to play for like double the money and in these events, that would have not gone very well, I don't think. Whereas now it is viewed as a true existential threat and it's like, hey, PJ Tour's got to change. No matter what has to change, status quo goes out the window. That makes it w- possible slash way easier for you guys to push through the changes that are in the process of being pushed through. What's your reaction to any of that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like a, one of those uh, sticky subjects. Um, every th- What the tour does great is everybody on our tour is treated equally and is looked at as an equal part of it. The difficulty is I know right now that if Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth leave tomorrow, we are all screwed, yeah. like every single yes. one of us. Their entertainment value is so high. Rom, just those like top five guys we have that bring in so much attention. That's a big deal. And it's not even just leave. If they're unhappy, we are in trouble. If they decide to play less tournaments, if they decide to do whatever, like that is taking money out of our pockets and taking eyeballs off of us and on our games. It, it, it changes so much. And so, yeah, basically there's a, a handful of guys who carry a ton of weight entertainment wise, but the tour does a great job of, Hey, I know you guys do that, but we have to treat everybody the same because that is what this product is like built on. And, the, and the, what the organization's built on. And I love that. And I think that those guys that we have up there understand that. But they also, again, why the pack has people in each sector of the game is they want to hear what Brom and Rory and Justin and Jordan have to say about things because that does matter a lot. And it, 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 the sticky part is it matters exactly as much as it does for like the 180th guy on tour, which I have been. But it matters more in just a, in just a way right now where it's like, dude, there's there's another place that is playing golf, and I, I don't think anybody's running off to leave just because you know, daddy didn't give them their cookie. But like, I I think that the way that word leverage gets thrown around now, it does feel like that in a little way, and that's the scary part. So yeah, there's a few guys that definitely carry weight, and we all listen when they speak. I don't think that they're doing it in a in a malicious bad way, but now that kind of kind of cats out the bag and people are doing this, it's like, hey, if you got an idea at the top and you you say it, I mean, there's a lot better chance it's going to work. And I've been impressed by Monahan and the guys of just not like completely backing down to like everything some of those guys say if it, if it's not feasible and if it's a great idea, I, I'm hoping that they are taking it seriously. But yeah, I mean, you just you, you can just feel the like kind of awkward tension in that because when somebody says something you know you wouldn't say of like of higher power I guess it's like you know yeah we kind of like we we, I feel like as a player I want to accommodate that the reason I'm I, I find my perspective on this interesting obviously I'm very biased about this but I've seen like every avenue of this I finished 241 year I finished 171 year I finished you know, the top 70, the other years. So I've seen it all. And I've, I'm trying to uh, not trying, I've kept my same opinions about these things entertainment wise 
since all those years. So when I bring things up and if somebody doesn't like it or complains about something, not, not that I've said, but that I believe in and they complain about that, I try my damnedest now that I'm on this pack to talk to them or message them and say, what would you like them to do differently? And I'll present that. But also like, here's my thinking. And like, cause I do feel like I, I have that side of it. I, I, I get that side of it. But like I said, there, there has to be some thought of like, if three to five to 10 of these guys weren't here, we would, we would be in a very weird spot entertainment wise to the consumer. And that's how, that's how we make a living, man. If you're the, like what I said last time I was on this pod, I think if you're the best golfer in the world and no one's watching you, you're just somebody telling everybody you're the best golfer in the world. And it, that's a, that's a tricky spot to be in. It's endlessly fascinating, man. It's, uh, it's, it's wild to watch it all play out in real time. And you know, it's, it's hard to react to every single week, but like, as it starts to crystallize, it just, uh, it starts to make more and more sense kind of the direction. And again, I think people maybe don't quite have a full grasp. I don't have a full grasp. I don't even know if you have a full grasp of how different no, things might no, be, not even close, might be no. next year. I mean, it's going to be, it, uh, it really is going to be a, a whole new look, uh, PGA tour. I as think. much as like this, this live PGA petty thing, it's got, you know, gone on and I'm not saying I wasn't part of some of that, <laughs> but as much as it's gone on and been chaotic is like, it has slowed down now, which is nice because it did it honestly did get old after like a month. But what the the noise, the outside noise of people saying you guys should be thanking Live every day because you're making more money. And like this is just my my personal opinion. I was good with what we made. It's cool that we make more money. But what I'm excited about because of what Live has like you know competition is good for business is I'm glad that now the tour is paying attention or maybe not paying attention. I'm sure they were paying attention before, but I'm glad the tour now feels like that urgency to adjust how the product is being like displayed. Yes. I can't like, I don't think I can tell you what it's going to be, but I've been working with Pazder, who's uh, one of the main tour officials on like entertainment side of like professionals and, you know, the broadcasters to make it more interesting. And like, they're just ideas and, and we're going to put one into effect soon and see how it goes. And I'm not saying it's the best idea in the world, but like, try stuff it, it, like we, they are, we're trying yeah. and like, I, I, and it's cool that they let me help with this in a way as I, like a, a, a added voice in the idea, because I can give the perspective of, Hey, here's why players won't want to do this. Let's try this. And like here, and, and then they come back with what we can do and we're going to try some stuff and it may be better. So that's been the cool part about, this craziness of the last six to eight months is yeah, money, whatever. But I want golf to be great for the fans. Cause I am a fan of the game and I, I want people to keep watching golf both selfishly and just as another one of them. So I'm glad about those advancements. I'm glad people are kind of voicing their opinion on, Hey, you know, if you want more money, this is how we are going to make more money. And if you want people to watch you play golf more, this is how you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to bend a little bit here and there. And we're seeing it with the scheduling, you know, we're seeing with these nine designated events, like change is coming. And I think it's all great for like the consumer of the game. That's where I, I I'm starting to tend to laugh when people call us PGA tour dick riders, because it's been like truly no one has probably been harder on them over the years than us. And like almost everything that we care about in some way has at least in somewhat marginally improved and sometimes drastically improved, right? Maybe volume of commercials probably still has not. But even so far to this year, it feels like just feels a little less. The, the century felt a little less, which is all you really ask for as a viewer. And so, you know, if we keep like at least 
yeah, this thing, uh, you know, I, I've been very against live because I think it could be horrible for the golf world if it's really fractured. I think you guys have retained enough talent that it's not going to be horrible. I don't think that. And if it means you guys take the steps to improve some of the things you're exactly talking about, then PJ Tour could come out the other side being even stronger of it, which I would not have said. Yeah. Like, if you go back to June, I would have thought I thought things were going to end up way worse for the tour than they currently look. And yeah, I, we're always going to have people coming in the pipeline. And the thing I'm excited about for the coverage, as as I'm with you, as I you know, I don't have a a voice on this weekly, but like the coverage can stink at times. But what I think this new, at least for the designated events, if you have like the top 50 players in the world, or, you know, I guess we don't have top 50, but 40 of the top 50 players in the world or whatever in each, in, in each of those nine events, you can show more like quote unquote meaningless golf shots, like a 20th place golf shot from like on the rare occasion that Matt Fitzpatrick is not in the mix or John Rahm's not in the mix or, JT is not in the mix and you can just flash to them and say, here's, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick hitting a seven iron on 15 and he hits it to 18 to 30 feet. And it's like, well, that wasn't the best shot I've ever seen. It's like, yep, but you want to watch Matt Fitzpatrick. He's one of the best players in the world, major champion. And it's like, oh, wow. Like we're just, you can dump just regular golf shots where I just think that they've been scared to do that with like the quote unquote average golfer, because they don't think that the fans have a care in the world about that, which some probably don't, but some do. But they've been scared to do that. Now they have this freedom of, hey, this is a very recognizable top name golfer who's won a major. Everyone roots for this guy week in and week out, and we can just show where he's at. And don't don't need it to be the greatest thing in the world. Doesn't need to be a whole out bunker shot. Doesn't need to be one of those things where, oh, now we're going over to 15. It's like, oh, he made a home one. Like we all know he made a home <laughs> one because why are you showing right. this? He's in 32nd place. You know that. I think they're going to have freedom to do that. I hope they do it, but. I mean, I've hoped a lot of things and it hasn't exactly worked out, but that's my viewpoint on, on how even just this scheduling stuff can can improve the fans, I guess, treatment in a way. Well, and another thing too is alternative media. Like I just I'll give you an example for the NFL. Like I've since I'm living abroad and coming back, it's been like hard to get back into other sports because they just fell off completely, right? But like I've been seeing some stuff lately on NFL. Like, I watched this great ringer video about the Jaguars' fourth and one calls that they made against the Chargers in week three and what they made against, you know, against the Chargers last week in the wild card game and, like, the, the differences and similarities. And I was just like, holy shit, man. Like, I want to sign up for a subscription right now to take in all the information I can because I've been watching a lot more football now lately. And, like, now I want to have a better understanding of everything that's going on there. Where that's been really difficult is there's – I think there's been an obvious incredible rise in alternative golf media around this game. Game, yet you funnel it into a, a archaic and dated broadcast and there's nowhere to go like I there's nowhere there's nothing to like take away because you're just watching like a highlight show like you just talked about right there's nothing there's no there's no extra layer to it at all we need like a manning cast that's one idea something like a manning cast or something like that where you could get inside the 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 mind a bit more of the player so that when they come through when the leaders come through or whatever you're like not, hey, this is not the first time I've seen the 13th hole at Torrey Pines. You know, like there's some there's some uh, understanding of that. And I think that's that that that's what these other sports have done a better job of. And we have been incredibly like late on that or, or not even late. We haven't done it yet. So hopefully they start doing something like that uh, where there will be different like areas of 
entertainment options where you could get more. Uh, and it's not, you know, necessarily just more shots. It's just more understanding. Learn. Here's the one that I've, I've said a few times, but probably don't bring up enough. NFL films has done sounds of the game for how long where, you know, yeah. that it's, it comes out during the week, but it's audio between the players and the coaches and it's edited and it's not going to get anybody canceled. And it's a look back. It, it doesn't need to be day of doesn't need to be live, but like, CD Lamb uh, consoling uh, Brett Mayer, the kicker who missed four PATs, just going up to him like, "We got yeah, you, bro. Awesome. Like, I got you. Like morning. that. Just at, now, I, when I go watch the Cowboys game, I've got a whole nother layer, and uh, they've been doing that forever, and it's freaking incredible, and it just adds to be the most valuable league in the. It's just stuff like that that I, you know, the the tour seems to be starting to understand. They let us freaking film at Kapalua. Uh, it, granted, it was not tournament week; it was pre-tournament week. They didn't really have to let us. They but they. You know, they, they didn't get in the way of that at all. And, like, that is an additive thing. We got a ton of great feedback from people that said they were looking forward to watching it and that the tour should support that kind of content. It's what we've been screaming from the rooftops for years. And and uh, if, if things are changing, I think it, you know, I think it could be just great for They're definitely fans. going in the right direction. They're going the right direction. I can't promise it's going to be great or soon, but they are going that way. That does have me at least uh, encouraged. All right, we got some questions we got sent in, but we also got President's Cup. We haven't really fully debriefed with you from uh, from the President's Cup. I feel like that was a pretty decent experience for you. I don't really you really know where to – you came on briefly, already pretty inebriated after going 4-0, uh, after winning your singles match as well. But anything anything surprised you about that experience or anything that, uh, that, that sticks out to you as far as, you know, what that week was like? One moment sticks out in a weird way. Um I can't remember because I was inebriated if I told you guys this part or not. But so I play the first day and you're so jacked up. I mean, I could not have been more jacked up and play the first match. And it was so much fun. Goes down to the last hole, me and Tony. And we fortunately come up, uh, win one up. Then we get, or maybe, yeah, one or two up. And then we get to the next morning and we have a, uh, no, sorry. Then the next day we have, uh, no, was it the next day? How does this thing work? So Thursday matches. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the yeah. next day we, yeah, the next day we have um, the uh, best ball. So I'm playing with Billy, and uh, I was I was pretty tired, <laughs> and uh, just from like the first day jitters and everything. And, and I, it was weird. I got to the course and I had a normal warm up. I didn't feel that nervous. Like I felt like it had all gone away. All the excitement had rushed away, and I didn't feel that jacked up anymore. And I'm like, damn, like. Maybe I overhyped this. Maybe I built it up in my head too much. Maybe this was, you know, this on me. And so we go around playing and I'm kind of, I'm playing fine. And we hadn't made any big putts or anything, but we were like, we're up early and then back to square and then this, that, whatever. But like, I just didn't feel like the rush, but I felt like, you know, we were playing good and I still knew that it mattered, but I was like trying my hardest, but I, I felt like a golf tournament and it's not supposed to, it's supposed to feel like crazy. So all of a sudden it gets pretty close. And I think we were like square one down or one up, something like that. It got really tight. Cause I thought we were going to run away with it the way we started off. And uh, we're on the normal 17, which was number 14. And I had shipped up and I had like a tricky, like seven or eight footer. And Billy had like 14 feet for par to have the hole. And I'm standing there and he makes the putt. And honestly, honestly, God, out of nowhere, I, I just like yelled. <laughs> like fist pump yelled and it came out of nowhere. And that was so cool for me. Cause I'm like, okay, it is in there. Like I'm tired. Part of this is just a, a me thing. Like I was, I was a bit worn out from Fortinet straight to there. And I was like, this is awesome. Cause I wasn't thinking about fist pumping. I wasn't like overly anxious, like none of it. And it just came out of me. The crowd noise behind me, uh, 
watching Billy walk it in, like all of it was so sick. And that's when I was like, okay, this is different. Like it's all built up. And JT and I had a, a cool moment that after that day, because that's where I finished birdie birdie and did the coolest thing, you know, I, I, I've done on a golf course. Um, and we were uh, riding to the press thing uh, in a cart. And he was like, he basically said it perfectly. He's like, listen, he's like, how cool, you know, he was like, how cool is that? I said, it's the coolest thing I could ever imagine. He goes, he goes, it's so different than like a major. He goes, obviously majors are so much, you know, more important for our standing in the game to win because there's something about this that is just more fun. Like it's just, it, you can, you can be a cocky asshole. You can, you can do the dumb shushing. You can do all this dumb stuff you would never do and have fun and play like a kid and just try to win, like win for your team. You know, a half a point matters. A point obviously is a big deal. Um, and I don't know, man, it, it was, that was special. Like everything I had built up in my head, I'm so thankful. Like it met, it met or exceeded that as far as like the energy went and the crowds bring most of that. The, the, when we came out there uh, Saturday morning for the 36 whole day and I was playing at like seven 30, I mean, it was pitch black when I got there and I was like, it was cold. I was exhausted and I'm putting. And I, I mean, I'm on a, a low as far as energy goes and I'm putting warming up. And I was the last match with Tony, I think. And, all of a sudden, I think Johnson Wagner, I heard, started the We Believe chant on the first tee, which is right by the practice green. And I hadn't even hit balls yet. So I go putt, you know, chip, hit, and then putt again. So I was just on the first part of that. And they started it. And I could not believe how many freaking people were there already, like at 6.50 in the morning. And I was like, holy cow. So the, the crowds bring a lot of that energy. It would be cool to play in a Ryder Cup, uh, you know, overseas where we aren't on the benefiting side of that. But hearing all of – I mean, that was – the crowds make it and, and the, the team chemistry makes it. And I was very thankful to be a part of that team with these guys who I really have always, you know, gotten along with and, and looked up to their golf games. So to play well and compete with them was, was cool, man. God, Rome's going to be incredible. Take us to, take us to that, that 18th green, your match, the, the, the whole scene, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, take us to the scenario. There's some great pieces in the golf magazine piece uh, talking about what Joe said to you before, before Taylor Pendrith yeah. and all that. But uh, how, how, how many times have you gone back and watched that and take us back to that seat? I honestly, I don't, I, I don't tend to watch very many of my, my past shots or anything like that. I would rather watch other people hit cool shots, but I've watched that putt probably like 2000 times because <laughs> I, I don't even like remember half of it, man. I remember the lead up to it. I just remember all day. I played really well. I was obviously playing well going into it. I played great the day before and I was playing really well. I hadn't really made anything. Billy kept kind of coming up to me on the back nine being like, you're going to make a putt. Like it's going to go in soon. I just kept hitting it to 20 feet, which out there is great. And I was kind of felt like I was, you know, jokingly and not joking. I was kind of the buoy of the group. Billy was kind of scrambling and get, he got up and down from everywhere. And I just had these free runs from 20 feet all day and I never really made one, but, and I just felt like I was kind of like steady Eddie which was good, but for better ball, you know, you're not like, I wasn't like doing any, nothing happened. Joe had even brought up, he goes, God, it sucks. Like we haven't had a moment. It's like fist pump yet. Cause Tony got to hit so many of the putts, hmm. uh, in the alternate shot because I was hitting all the iron shots. So it was like, I never really had like my moment. And then that's what we joke about all the time. Cause then lo and behold, we have two back to back holes. So I finally hole a putt on 17 and, you know, got to like have that moment. And then 18, you know, I couldn't have felt more comfortable. It was a back right pin. I love to cut it. It was a mid to long iron. I love those. And they had stacked one in there pretty close, Pendrith did. So I was like, this is it. Like, you know, I felt really comfortable with my golf swing, my golf game. So I hit a really beautiful cut, six iron back there. And then we yeah, were on the green and I'm nervous. And and this is where Joe, uh, this is why Joe is the the best. And I would argue the best caddy out there is because 
I'm sitting there on the green and I, we're not talking obviously. And, and I know like the worst we're possibly going to do is have, and like, I'm not like, I'm not going to say I'm stressed, but like, you know, I'm hoping we win this match. You know, Billy and I fought really hard on that back nine to, to, to kind of like fight him off a little bit. And I'm sitting there and the day prior I had a putt. So that would have been cool to make. And Justin gave me crap about it because I left it short. Cause all we needed was two butts to win, but I wanted to make it blah, blah. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh, you might have a chance to make it. But I was like, Oh, you know, hopefully Pendrith kind of misses and, I get, you know, it'll be over. I just get the two putt from 12 feet. And Joe literally came up from behind me, whispering in my ear, we want him to make this so you can make it right on top of him. And I, it, like, gave me the chills when he said it because I'm like, fuck, yeah, we do. <laughs> like, it just changed my whole perspective. I'm, and now I'm, like, sitting there rooting for Taylor to make that putt. So when it went in, I started to smile. Like, there's no camera, but I started to smile because I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to break their heart right now. Like, that's what you do. Like, that in my in my mind, that's what you do these things for, especially in the team thing. You want you want somebody to hit the shot of their life and you do it better. Like that's just what you want. And he, he played a beautiful hole. He had a, obviously a beautiful drive, beautiful second shot and made a great putt on a really hard hole. And I'm, I'm sitting there with t- uh, 10 to 12 feet where I can just rip, you know, rip that right out of like their soul in a way. <laughs> and I'm over this putt and, and, you know, ever since aim pointing and stuff, like there's certain putts that have one, one type of break uh, or, you know, a single, a degree of break and that's what i had so when it starts online i can now know if it's going to go in or not so that's why i've watched the video so many times because i started walking way too early it was sick and went fucking bananas like i i don't remember a lot of it that's like i remember chest bumping i remember joe being kind of scared to chest bump me back it was perfect because i i truly do i i love all those dudes on on my team uh they are awesome people they're great teammates and but just get especially like I'm really close with Colin, so to have him right there, Sam right there, JT there, and then get to turn around and hug Billy, I don't know. It meant a lot to me just to be a part of that team, but to like contribute to the team. That was, uh, I don't know, man. You're you're with the best golfers on the planet, and they're all like celebrating you. It just feels incredible. That's why I said I tweeted something along the lines of like, you can't get that anywhere else. Like home game. You were no. the only match left out there. Both both teams all around no, that green, perfect. sun setting, a 12-footer that you knew the read, and before it even like got to the hole, you knew it was in. I mean, you took less time on that putt, too. I was amazed at how fast it all went. It was like, oh, this he's got this putt. Like, this is going in, and it just poured. That's right the beauty of aim, aim point in a way for me is, like, people talk about how it slows people down, which it does some, but, like, when you when you get the feel of it and you're kind of in it, like the reads are fast, and I think that makes me putt better because I'm not thinking about the read. I'm not looking at every blade of grass. Like I know in my head what it's going to do. Tony really set me up for it the day before because we're walking out like 16. He goes, "How fun is this, dude? Like this is the greatest thing ever." Like, and I was like, I was glad he felt that way because I felt that way. But he's done it so many times, and he goes, "The best part is, dude, is is we're we're the last group, uh, and we're going to be coming. We might be coming down 18." last group every single person is going to be watching us which it, it was it did come down to 18 so then the next day obviously i didn't have tony with me i had billy but i was like thinking that i'm, I'm like this is pretty damn cool i got every single person all eyeballs on on me and billy's match and uh to come up come come out on top was cool uh but it's like a lot of, so much of that is like the preparation of other people saying great things joe tony billy all these guys kind of in my ear you're gonna make a putt hey we wanted to make this putt tony like this is so cool everyone's gonna be here instead of making it like something that's uh, a negative kind of like, oh man, like we're last to match out. Cause when we went out for last on Thursday, I was like, dang, that stinks. Like we don't get to lead the charge. And then Tony being like, no dude, this is the cool part. Like we're, we're the anchor. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Convince me uh, that aim point shouldn't be banned. 
I hate it. I hate watching it. I, Why? I actually was going to ask you this. Why do you think it should be banned? I just, I, I feel like people straddling lines and that's, uh, so I hate anything you can't do as part of your process while other people are playing, right? Like if other people are in their routine, you can't be doing aim point probably and all, unless it's totally opposite side of the, of the hole. But that's what I'm saying. If somebody else is putting in your group, you can start to get your read from the other side of the hole out of the way, right? Unless you're in their eye line. Well, see, I don't know enough about aim point, I guess, but it just, I can't, when they no, I'm saying if you're in the eye line, if I'm reading the whole, the putt from behind the hole and you're, putting towards me i need to get the hell out the way so i'm gonna be in your way anyways right but i just when they cut to somebody and they're they got a three-footer and you're facing the hole and then you turn back around it just seems like i I feel like being able to feel your line with your feet seems just a little bit like adjacent to the rules to me right and i just don't i don't love it and i'm willing to be talked off this but i have a feeling i would love it if i actually understood it but i don't want to be i don't i don't want to be a point guy I'll make my pitch to you. Okay. Uh, if you, I mean, if you're stuck in that, if you need to do, if, if it's one, if it's a blanket statement, if I can't, if you can't do something while another person's playing, then you're right. I can't straddle my line. I had a putt this year uh, that Billy or Tommy at hero was going to stand. We both do aim point. Um, and Tommy was going to be standing on my, on my line. So he was like, do you want to go first? And I said, no, because if he went second, I couldn't go through my aim point process. So I, he like joked with me after because he goes, did you really not want to do it so you could put your feet down? I said, yeah, because I didn't want to stand anywhere near his line. So th- th- that's definitely a valid point. I don't know how that would be against the rules. I don't either. I golf. said you could change it. <laughs> if you're saying that using feel in golf is bad, that blows my mind. The fact that we should only be able to use our eyes. I mean, we go play Augusta, you play Kapalua, and such a beauty of those two places is you're hitting shots on these crazy lies and stances are all messed up, balls way above your feet, way below your feet, downhill lies, uphill lies, and we take practice swings to see how much our hips are going to move and where we're going to bottom out on that club, and we do that because of the feeling of the ground. I'm, I'm saying it comes closer to, like, testing the surface, right? Then, like, feeling your, your lie in stance, I think, is different than, like, straddling your line of play. That's kind of... I'm not a rules expert also, so, like, who knows who, who, who really cares what I think, but there's something, like, it, there's something to... Um, like your line of play and like you can't fix ball marks and stuff in your line if you're off the green right if the if, if the ball mark is off the green yes you can no if you're off oh, the if green it's off the green yeah, yeah. well here 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 uh <laughs> quick quick debate here when you go in a bunker should you not be allowed to uh wiggle your feet in the sand to feel how deep it is isn't that kind of one of those things that like you're technically not supposed to be feeling the surface of that through that like you can like everyone digs into the sand and like gets information from it but if you you cannot intentionally do that correct for sure, but you are, and I'm walking around. I'm walking on a firm surface. I'm not testing a surface. I'm just feeling break. <laughs> That's like all you're doing. It would be the same thing as like Poston was on Colt and uh, Drew's pod the other day, and he was talking about how he's a field putter, and he doesn't really think he ever like starts it necessarily right on line of where he's aimed, but he can feel when he's standing there the break, and like he'll manipulate it and just make the ball go in the hole. He's one of the best putters I've ever seen. So that's like a feel thing to me. And part of that is in his feet. So just because of where I'm standing, I, if we're going through rules things, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more out on like metal spikes than I am standing near your own line. I step in my line pretty much every time I hit this putt. So I technically make it like worse on myself. But I, I, it's like, to me, it's the ultimate feel. The fact that we were allowed greens books is a, shit, is a crime. Like that makes no sense. That's just using math. But in this case, I'm using my feet to feel break, which is like the same to me as feeling a lie in the fairway. 
Okay. Well, I mean, we can agree to disagree then. That's fine. That's fine. I think it. I, I, it Perfect. I, I, I'd love to see a study. You keep going on missing putts. I'm going to keep rolling. <laughs> if I could be reassured that it doesn't slow things down, I think I would. And maybe it doesn't, but it certainly does appear that way at times on television. But anyways, got some questions I want to get to because we, we put a call out for this on The Refuge. Um, we've addressed some of these already in here. But uh, from the Mass Hacker, he wanted the best tip or habit you picked up from any teammates at the President's Cup. There was no like Kobe moments, right? Of like, oh shit, Kobe's in the gym at four o'clock in the morning here. Like, we got to get that figured out. Uh, no, but I will go. I actually was going to go to that a little bit. The regiment of people, yeah. I guess, isn't something I learned, but it's something that reestablished, like to like validated is every day everyone's plan was the exact same, and you did the same damn thing every morning, and everyone had it very dialed. Like, it was very specific. It was very monitored, and like. I don't know. It, I don't think everybody looked at that President's Cup the same way I did as a first timer and someone who was looking like look so looking forward to it. I'm sure not everybody was quite as excited as me, but every single person went out there like a pro and and, and treated it like it was. And watching how they go through their process was again not a learning thing, but it was like a validation thing of like okay, yes, this is how we do this. Like this is how we work. Hmm. Interesting. Perp ATL, do you have any idea why you didn't make the cut for a full featured episode on uh, on Full Swing on the Netflix documentary? Apparently, that there's a <laughs> list going around of who the individual episodes are about, but uh, it does not appear you made. Yeah, it. I get. I probably just wasn't as forthcoming, maybe with my time. I know they gave me like a two days heads up notice that they wanted to come to my house, which was a little bit blindsiding as far as like the the amount of time I had then to clear my day and clean my house. Also, it could have just been that everybody else's was a lot more interesting than mine. I keep telling people, they keep asking, are you going to be in it? And I said, I'm sure I'm in the background of some things. But with all that went on in the in the game of golf this year, uh, if my big moment, because I know that they filmed a lot when I was in L.A., if my big moment was me hugging my family that I hadn't seen in a little bit, <laughs> that would be bad for the show, a bad sign for the show. So I don't know. I'm sure I'll, I wish they would have followed – like, you know, the the chase for the President's Cup, because I thought that would have been a cool story, but maybe they'll do that with the Ryder Cup this year. But yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, I'm not really disappointed that I'm not, honestly, because as Lacey brought up, uh, it'll be cool to see how it looks first. So we know, uh, you know, like I know Joel's in it a lot and I'm sure it's great, but looking at yourself on TV sometimes can be kind of scary. So I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him be the guinea pig on this and see how it how it turns out. But I think they, they got a lot of great stories. I know the, the Sahith stuff's great. Uh, I know the Joel stuff's great. And then they have, you know, a lot of the live stuff as well with, I think, DJ and Brooks and Carlos maybe. Polter. So that'll be really cool. Um, Polter. Polter, yeah. yeah. So they'll have a lot of, like, I think, you know, in- interest was probably a big thing. I didn't really <laughs> – not I'm not that interesting. I, I, I go home and I uh, think about golf. Uh, hello, friends. This will be your last question. Hello, friends said, uh, your favorite show on CW. Oh, man. Seventh Heaven was a banger back in the day. I don't know if that's still on there. Um, man. Good for them, I guess. Yeah, so. we shall see. I don't... In the, in, the, in the world of this pettiness, I don't know why... YouTube was a good way to watch it. It was. Uh, that was... I liked it. Uh, yeah. So the fact that we're like... It's good for viewers. ...high-stepping yeah. around, yeah. like... Yeah, it's great. The fact that we're high stepping around, like this is like the greatest thing ever. I don't get. Like, I think they're doing a good job. I don't like being told how good of a job they're doing. <laughs> that part just gets old. 
So the CW thing is funny for jokes, memes, whatever. But like, I don't think it's a big change. And I don't think that means it in a negative way either. I like the YouTube thing. It got made fun of just like the CW. Could you imagine if we had never been on TV before and went to CBS and you're like, oh, the same thing that plays Law and Order or whatever goes on it? Like, it, it's it's all like channels don't matter. So I like the YouTube thing personally. It's easy. But I guess, I don't know, golf is for or is, is broadcast to more of an older generation. So maybe they don't haven't like picked up on that yet. But I mean, I think something I saw something like 2.4 billion people use YouTube every day. So it seems like a, it was a great device. I enjoyed it. So I'm curious to see what it looks like now. Um, but I, I just, the making fun of it and the high stepping mix, that's the parts I'm getting over. Like that's the parts that kind of waned my interest in any of it. Like I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Uh, as far as like the the back and forth, I don't even, like I don't even want to make jokes about it anymore. Like it's 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 dead to me because you're gonna get one person telling you how great it is, and one person telling you how much of a joke it is. And like I said, I thought they were doing a great job. I liked watching it. Like it was completely fine. It was it was not hard to to watch on YouTube. So well, now you got this download, is just a thing. Download the CW app, but uh, I will probably not be doing that. But <laughs> maybe one of my friends will. All right, Max, we're going to let you go, man. Thank you, as always, for your generous uh, donation of your time. This was a enlightening conversation, as it always is. Didn't even get to everything I had on my list, but uh, it's Friday night, and i got to let you I got to let you get back to your fatherly duty. So thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll definitely be catching up with you soon. Yeah, thank you. Me and Cam got to go hit the bars, so uh, thank you for getting me out of here on time. You're welcome. Cheers, bud. <laughs> be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!